Thank you to ShipStation for supporting The Secret Room. Right now, try ShipStation for free for 30 days and get an additional month free, only if you use my promo code SECRET. ShipStation. Make ship happen. Hey Alex, have you got a secret for me? I do indeed, yes. <laughs> so, uh, about two years ago, I was in Thailand in an island called Koh Phi all right, it's quite ironic, isn't it? We'll get to that. <laughs> and I got back to my big 24-bed dorm, and I need a wee, but I thought, nah, I'll do it. I'll be fine. And I woke up about 3 o'clock in the morning, absolutely covered in wee. Yeah, I completely pissed myself. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, what do I do? I, I stink, I have wee, I'm, I'm covered in wee. So what I do, I get up, I go downstairs to a shop, and I buy some orange juice. So I'm like, oh, no, no, I spilled orange juice on my bed. Oh, no. <laughs> I spilled orange juice on my bed. <laughs> Oh no! Did anyone figure it out? No, 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 no. Like the guy I was going travelling with, who was on the top bank, he fully believed me. And I got told him like after I got back, and he was like, "Mate, I had no clue. Like I fully believed you. Everyone believed me, and it was brilliant." (laughs) (laughs) Hey everyone, it's Ben. Today's episode, Decorum, delivers three secrets in three chapters. Each secret is distinct from the others, except that they share one common thread. Today's show is about how people behave, or shouldn't, in very different situations. Ahead, in Chapter 2. So I took a train from Freiburg, Germany to Basel, Switzerland. Then I went from Basel to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Atlanta, then Atlanta to Chicago. After her tedious journey, our confident millennial endures unexpected scrutiny at an airport security checkpoint in Chicago. A very intimate item she has in her suitcase is picked up on x-ray and pulled for bomb residue detection. How onlookers react and how she handles this delicate moment is Jessica's story of decorum. Okay. In chapter three, yeah. the secret room Mike finds Lily in Australia. Okay. Hi, my name is Lily, and I'm going to tell you about how I took revenge on my friend. Lily's tale of decorum is a learning moment for her. It's a story about two friends and a boy, <laughs> and a dedicated long-term payback strategy. Her story, and what she did, will surprise you. But first, chapter one. You're listening to The Secret Room a podcast about the stories no one ever tells. I'm Ben Ham. Hi, my name is Derek. My secret is that doctors say some pretty judgmental things while you're asleep under surgery. So tell us what your job is. Well, I travel around the Miami area and um, I assist surgeons with different kinds of surgical cases. Does your work put you in operating rooms during actual surgeries? Yeah. Have you ever seen doctors behave inappropriately towards patients when they're unconscious? Yes, they have. Wow. So is this, is this widespread? I wouldn't say that it's widespread. I would say that there's always going to be a select few who really, it almost seems like they kind of go out of their way or they, or they just can't help themselves from making judgmental comments about people. Hmm. So tell us what you've seen. So 
Typically before a surgery, patients are given antibiotics and the dose of antibiotics is usually uh, in relationship to the patient's body weight. Well, if the upcoming patient that we were going to see for the next case was on the heavier side, sometimes this one doctor, he would say to the anesthesiologist or me and be like, oh, the next one's in a six grammar or an eight grammar, making a comment that they need, needed that many grams of antibiotic. I worked with that particular doctor quite a bit and there were a couple of anesthesiologists that really just kind of chimed right in with them and really just kind of egged the whole comment train on. And I think that was really surprising too, where he really found certain people would kind of join in the echo chamber, you know, talking about, man, this person's really big and uh, just really insensitive. I've seen uh, various medical staff, doctors and nurses included, kind of quizzically pulling up the gowns of people and looking at their tattoos and making either judgmental comments about the tattoos or just being generally perplexed about what they mean, you know, or making sort of offhanded little comments about like, oh, that's weird or, you know, that's a, that's a bizarre tattoo or that's ugly or whatever. If someone was walking out on the street and you did this, like you could, you would deserve to get your hand slapped at a minimum you know, for lifting up somebody's shirt and like saying, oh, hey, look at that tattoo, you know? Oh, I remember somebody had had a very long-winded tattoo of text that started from kind of like, like almost way up in their armpit and then just kind of like all, went all the way down their flank and this nurse took the time to like really go up this person's armpit, but they wanted to make sure they read the whole thing and they were just, you know, and they were chuckling about it afterwards. So it was some kind of a, like a song verse or it sounded kind of poetic at the time. They're very perplexed at, you know, what that was and what it meant. The thing is, is that tattoos are very personal to people. I think it's kind of insensitive to assume that you can derive meaning from looking at somebody else's tattoo and assuming that you think you know what that means to that person because it has nothing to do with you. Unfortunately, I have not yet seen someone attempt to stop, stop a doctor in their tracks to say, hey, that's not appropriate, you need to knock it off. And it's sad to say, but it does really take a lot of guts to do that, even these days now, because of you know that person's position. With a few words, they can make someone's life either very difficult at that facility after the fact if they wanted to, or I mean, they could even hold that person's job or their career in their hands if they did that, if they felt so inclined. That is a sad but true thing. From an ethical standpoint, medical professionals are really, we're supposed to pass care and provide benefit to people without judgment. I've even had a couple of doctors who have been so comfortable with my ability for operating the equipment that they have left the room for long periods of time and not come back for a while, essentially leaving me in charge of doing the case while they are gone. And that is completely against so many policies and so many rules. One of them got pretty harshly disciplined for it, and that's good because that puts me in a very uncomfortable position when that happens. 
And I want to stress that that is not a common scenario by any means. There have just been a couple in my experience who try to multitask a little bit too much. I would say that on the whole, my experience with witnessing healthcare workers, you know, judging other patients is relatively few and far between. But for the healthcare workers out there who might be listening, uh, if you find yourself in a space where you're judging patients frequently, I would challenge you to reestablish some of your thought processes about why we are in healthcare to begin with. Because when patients come to see us for help, they deserve to have care passed along to them without judgment. And so Derek makes his rounds in Miami area operating rooms, a witness to an environment and the decorum unseen by those most impacted by it. Next up, what's in Jessica's suitcase and what is its potential threat to mankind? Stay where you are, that story in a sec. Fast shipping is a key to success when you're selling online, but getting your orders out the door quickly can be tough. And that is precisely why you need ShipStation. You've heard about them. They are the fast and easy way to manage and ship your orders all from one place. Let's show ShipStation some love to thank them for their support of the podcast. And I'll make it easy for you. Keep listening because I've got a bonus for Secret Room listeners. I want to share a little bit about my experience with ShipStation. When you sign up, you are greeted with a short video introduction that explains clearly how to set up your account. You just select selling channels like Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, and and more than 75 popular sites. Select your shippers and all that good stuff and boom, you are ready to go. It's comprehensive, it's quick, and they don't miss a trick. One thing that, that really stuck out for me about the experience was just how clean and how modern the website and the app are. That really helps because my time comes at a premium and I want to get things done quickly and easily and it helps if I can enjoy myself along the way. ShipStation delivers. And ShipStation helps you keep your customers happy too, because your orders will all get out fast, and that is your key to success when selling online. ShipStation saves you time and organizes your selling life because it brings all your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from any device. With ShipStation, you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. So here we go, Secret Room listeners. You sell online, you listen to The Secret Room. It's a great combo because right now you can try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free, but only if you use my promo code SECRET. Don't wait. Go to ShipStation.com before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the home page and type in SECRET. That's ShipStation.com. Enter SECRET. ShipStation. Make ship happen. And now, we're up to Chapter 2. Millennial Jessica has a story about the decorum, or lack thereof, that she experienced at a Chicago airport security checkpoint. So I took a train from Freiburg, Germany to Basel, Switzerland. Then I went from Basel to Amsterdam, Amsterdam to Atlanta, then Atlanta to Chicago. And 
of course, when I get to Atlanta, I have to go through all this TSA and checking in. So when I'm going through TSA, I walk through the metal detector and the security guard stops me and she's like, so you have a lot of activity in your groin area and your upper thigh region. When you go through the metal detector, one of two things happens. You're either allowed to go straight through or the metal detector picks up something that they deem nefarious or suspicious or unidentifiable. And so that requires a pat down in that specific area, which is not, it's, <laughs> it gets, it gets worse. It's not that weird for them to pat down your wrist or your stomach at one specific part. But I had a lot of activity like all around my groin. So I saw the screen. And so, you know, I know she wasn't making it up. So she asked me actually, do you want to go into a private room for this? And I'm sitting there like, I'm really just trying to catch my flight. I'm wearing a skirt too. So I just, you know, I asked her like, is it very invasive? Can I just do this right here? Like, is you know, what's what is what does this entail? She said, I'm just going, it's not too invasive. We could do it out here. I'm just going to pat down both legs and also your buttocks and um, your groin area. So I was like, okay. So that wasn't too bad. She just, you know, like, I wouldn't say it was a pat down. It was just kind of like a, she like ran her hands very close and very quickly down my body. That was fine. You know, I, I really didn't feel any sort of shame or anything. But then I was getting my stuff, you know, I was getting my shoes and my jacket and my backpack was held up. So I waited for it. So the guy who's going through my backpack, he's sitting there taking close to everything out of my backpack. <laughs> And I'm just like, you know, most of what I have in there is like cookies. I had some pads in there. You know, really nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to stop TSA. Um, and then this other guy comes awfully close to me. I don't know why he was so close. I think he was trying to flirt with me because he was really like in my personal bubble. And then he, I also saw him staring at me beforehand, but he comes really close to me because he's waiting for his bag to be checked. And so, as a TSA manager or a security agent is going through my backpack, he takes out my vibrator. It's not like one of those very obvious vibrators, like like a dill. It doesn't look like a penis. It doesn't look like a phallus. It doesn't even look large enough. I think when people think of vibrators and when people think of masturbation toys, they think of a very large rod that is in the shape of a phallus. But this is a bullet and it's smaller, it's more compact. So the TSA agent, he's going through my stuff and uh, they sometimes have to swipe. The other lady did to me too, the one who like basically felt at my groin. She, she swiped my hands with this piece of material and then she puts it into this machine. So he did the same thing with the contents of my bag. It's like I had a a bottle of ibuprofen, so he swiped that. And then he was looking at my vibrator. He wasn't sure whether to swipe it or not. And he was looking at it for a while. So then he asked me, what is this? And I just said, it's a vibrator. 
And he's like, oh, okay. And then the guy who was next to me is like, I'm sure it comes in handy or something. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> it felt really funny, but I, I also felt like a, a super modern woman. Like, I'm really not ashamed to have a vibrator in my backpack and having to say that it's a vibrator. <laughs> well, good for you. Mm, thank you. It was very liberating. Yeah. Never thought I'd do that. <laughs> just got my stuff and I left. Okay, so you left a confident, modern, millennial off to her airplane. Yes, I should I should be charging that vibrator right now. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you for that story. No problem. And now our final chapter, chapter three. Lily joins us from Australia with a remarkable story about how one person can make another act, even though she knows what she's doing is just plain wrong. What motivates us to do things we know we shouldn't? Lily gives us an answer in our final tale of decorum today. I met Sarah through my boyfriend. They had been going to uni together. Were they very good friends? See, that's, that's the bit where I'm kind of confused. Um, she keeps saying that they were best friends, but they'd known each other less than a year when I'd met her. She always said, he's my best friend. He always tells me, you know, all his secrets. But then my partner never said that to me. So I guess they were close. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm skeptical about it. She found out that he had a girlfriend and she wanted to meet me. I think the first time I met her, I was actually speaking to her on the phone because I was talking to my partner and he was like, oh, my friend, my friend Sarah wants to talk to you. Do you want to, do you want to chat to her? And I was like, sure, why not? She just wanted to know how to, where he was ticklish or something. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, he's ticklish here, here and here. And it was really weird. Whatever. I don't mind. <laughs> Within the first couple of weeks or month even of meeting her, she's like, oh my gosh, I told, you know, I told him that he has to be so protective of you and, like, if he does anything to you, I will hurt him. And I was like, whoa, I don't, I don't know you <laughs> that well yet. <laughs> but okay, sure, whatever. And I think that's what really pulled me in. I think that I'd never really had a, a really good friend at that stage. I was kind of, I had kind of flipped between friends up until then and I was just like, wow, she cares about me. <laughs> I thought it was like the best thing because like I had this best friend I could tell all my secrets to and you know, we did everything for each other. She got me a job at McDonald's. I was like, yeah, I was just so caught up in it, I guess. I just remember this one party and I think that's when I started getting a bit Oh, that was, that was a bit of a shitty thing to do if you're my best friend. We all have, like, mutual friends, and at that party, I was just completely alone, and I was so devastated. She's like, hey, he's just sent me over to say, to keep you company because you looked a bit lonely. And I was like, oh, he sent you over, did he? <laughs> Yeah, so that was a bit of an eye-opener for me. I was a little bit sad about that. <laughs> they spent almost every day together because they all had classes at uni and I would only go see them every now and then. 
we had a bit of a tiff once and I think he ended up confiding in her. Oh, about a tiff that you and he had. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. And then did she come to talk to you about it? Yeah, she did. And she always did. I think that was one of the things that frustrated me later on when I realized she wasn't such a good friend because she'd always be like, oh, you know, such and such came and said to me um, this about you and your partner. And she just always had her two cents to put into it and she's like I think you should do this and it was always in favor of my partner like it wasn't ever like oh no you're in the right like she must have loved the drama you know causing trouble because then she had something to talk about to everybody else I don't know if she had a crush on him because he is kind of an attractive guy so I don't know I think he's had a we've had a couple of issues with girls So maybe she had designs on him. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> Would you say that they were best friends? She said that a lot. I don't know if they were because if I compare his relationship with her compared to like one of his best friends and him, mm -hmm. it was very different. I think she was very flirty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of her friends started dating one of our other friends that I'd grown up with and I came became really close with her. As I got closer and closer to her, I needed Sarah less and less, which was really good because I started becoming more happy and I was having a better time. But then, yeah, I got really close to my other friend and she kind of told me <laughs> some things that Sarah had been doing behind my back that I wasn't aware of and then that's when I realised this girl isn't my friend, she's, she's horrible. <laughs> yeah, definitely wasn't my friend. What was she doing behind your back? You know, when you, you have a fight with your partner or you're upset, you go to your best friend and you're just like, oh, this happened, what do I do? She would listen to everything I have to say and just be like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. And then I found out she would go and tell everyone else about it. There was another time I had a birthday party and it was a big birthday party because I hadn't had one in a while. So, you know, I decorated the hall. It was all gold themed. Nobody knew it was. Gold was just my favorite color. So I turned, like everything was gold. My dress was gold, everything. And I went shopping with her. She helped me pick out my dress. She said I looked really good in it. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be like the standout person because I'm in this gold dress and I'm, you know, it's my day. And she turns up and she's like, hey, I'm wearing gold. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was really annoyed at that. And then she told everyone that I was fat in that dress. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. She told me I looked good in it when I bought it. But then behind my back, she went and told everyone I looked really fat. And I was just like, wow, okay. And then, oh, that's not even the end of it. She, okay, so the job that she got me, within the first couple of weeks of me working there, she told people we worked with, she's like, oh, Lily's not good at, she's not good at the job, she's not fast enough, and Lily's so weird, she's not, she's not making friends with anyone. She went around telling everyone how, how crap I was at the job. So she had been talking to my partner's father, and she kind of hinted that he had said to her that she was like the girl they wanted my partner to end up with. And I was kind of like, whoa, why would you say that to me? Like, what, what was the... Oh, she was just horrible. I just found out <laughs> lots of stuff. 
Mm, it, it does sound like so much high schooler. <laughs> really yeah. Does. So, you know, I've got to ask you, so why, you know, why continue with this friendship? Why not just break it off? I should have confronted her and been like, listen, I've had enough. We're done. So if if Sarah were here in the secret room with us right now, yeah. you know, what do you, what do you think she would say in her defense? Honestly, I don't think she would tell the truth. She's the most manipulative, conniving person I've ever met. Like, I think it got a bit toxic. Like, I felt so betrayed and so, so angry. What did you do? <laughs> um, I tried to make her fat. I told her lies as well so that I I wanted to find out if it was getting around and it was so I told her all this stupid stuff and she went and spread it and made her look really stupid oh wow so you you uh it was like finding a mole in the CIA you planted some secret information (laughs) yes I did and it got out and so you knew she was the source yeah wow I was like, yes, I need to get revenge. (laughs) So this is kind of a remarkable goal you have to make her fat. Yeah. (laughs) You've got a goal you're really dedicated to here. You must have, you must have really been very, very angry. Yeah, I really was. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's quite a goal. It's really, it's really something um, to admit, (laughs) if you don't mind my saying. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you go about this? She was very into her, into her looks. She And she wouldn't eat healthy. It would always be like Max Brenner's or a really like cheesy burger with bacon and like all the stuff on it. Well, she did get you the job at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She'd be like, hey, let's let's go out. Let's go get some Max Brenner's, some chocolate. I'm craving waffles and, and chocolate and ice cream or something. And I'd be like, sure, let's go. I'm down for that. I'd let her order first and she'll be like, oh... I feel like this, but I feel like this. And I was like, you know what? Why don't you get like a mixture of both? Like add one onto the other. And you should also add this and this and this. And she's like, oh my God, that sounds so good. And I was like, dude, do it. I'll get one too. And she's like, okay. And then she'll order and pay. And I'll just be like, hey, can I please have a black tea? Maybe some carrot sticks if you've got any. (laughs) Carrot. Do they have carrot sticks at Max Brenner Waffles? No, but I had fruit. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I would always find a way to kind of get out of it. But like, oh, I'm kind of feeling sick now, you know, or got a bit of a headache. I don't want to have sugar in case it makes it worse and just make something up. And she would just, she would just never realize and she would scoff it down. She would eat all of it. And I just, I loved it. I loved every second of it. <laughs> and so did that play out several times? Yeah, yeah, it played out over a couple of years. You know, if we went out for pasta or something, I'd, I'd get like a salad and she'd have like lasagna or something. And, and it was just really easy to kind of put that idea in her head. She kind of was like, oh, I won't be having breakfast tomorrow or I won't have dinner later on because I've had all this to eat. And I was like, you know, that's really not good. Like starving yourself isn't isn't good. It's going to make you put on weight. So mm-hmm. <laughs> she would go home and she'd eat some more. <laughs> wow. And so how, so yeah, how were you feeling, you know, while you were doing this? I think in the moment I, I liked it. 
in the beginning, I was just like, yes, you know what? You deserve this. Yes, this is this is what's meant to happen. And I liked it. And then, I don't know, somewhere along the line, I was kind of like, this is tiring. And this isn't me. I'm not this person. Why am I doing this to someone else? I felt really bad because I felt like this is really toxic for me. I should just kind of cut her out. And how long did you say this objective of feeding her bad foods went on for? It was a couple of years, I'm pretty sure. Like, And so, no, you know, were you successful? Did she pack on some pounds? Yeah, I feel really guilty about it. I, I think, I always think, oh, you know, I've done this to someone. Like, what if she gets sick or what if she... Yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> it's really, mm, it's really... Yeah, because it's always like something that's played heavy on my mind. And How much weight do you think she gained? Uh, between five and ten kilos. So, so then what happened? She's gaining weight, and what happened to your friendship? I kind of started pulling away, so she asked to meet up once, and um, we did, and we went out shopping, and she's like, wow, you look so good in all these clothes, and she was kind of looking at me and looking at herself, and I was just like, no, you look good too, don't worry about it, like, we're all beautiful, and all, women are all different, and... I felt so bad and I just was like, I can't, I don't want to get into another relationship with her because, like, I don't want to continue the friendship because if I do, I feel like it's going to get toxic again. I'm going to get angry and she ended up moving states anyway. So, yeah, when when she came back, she'd send me a message every now and then like, hey, I'm back. Do you want to catch up and hang out? And I think I did it like once and then I was just like, sorry, I'm really busy. I can't. Um, I've got this on right now. And yeah, so we don't we don't actually talk anymore. Like we're still friends on Facebook and stuff, but I don't communicate with her at all. Yeah. So you said about this plan to achieve revenge, mm. and you achieved it. Yeah. But how did it make you feel ultimately? <laughs> um, it made me feel really horrible and regret my actions, and guess it taught me a lesson, and I should be more honest with how I'm feeling. It wasn't good to think that I did that to her. Like, I just didn't want to be that person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's What's your partner's take on it? I think he laughed, and then he was kind of like, wow, that's kind of really evil. Um, I don't want to mess with you. <laughs> <laughs> right. We had a lot of issues with her. She caused a lot of problems for us. He, he was glad that I, I stopped talking to her eventually. You know, I have a feeling that a lot of people listening are going to (laughs) have compassion and sympathy for Sarah. Yeah. (laughs) What would you say to them? I mean, I wouldn't. I, I, that's, you know, I can see where they're coming from. I think what I did was really horrible. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This may be obvious, but what, in your own words, why do you keep this a secret? (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want people to think horrible thoughts about me because I'm not a horrible person. I did one horrible thing. <laughs> and and so why why did you tell your secret here today? I wanted, yeah, I just wanted to get rid of it and be done with it. Like this is me kind of like purging myself. I get it. I get it. We've all done things we regret. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, you said that, you know, in leading up to our interview, you told a couple of friends, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. 
What did they say? Um, they were just shocked because, like, when you meet me, I'm I'm such a like I'm the complete opposite of it, of that. Like I'm just I'm a really happy, friendly person. I can be quite shy, and I don't usually have a bad thought in my head. And when they found out that's something I did, they they were shocked and they laughed, and then they were just like, "Wow, like, who are you? Who are you really?" <laughs> right. Yeah. How does it feel now having having told your secret? It it feels kind of good to get it off my chest, but I don't know if I'll ever truly be able to forget it. Like it's always something I'll have to remember, or like every time I see her, or someone says something, I'll be like, "Oh." Yes. Kind of a weight you'll carry. Yeah. Lily, thank you so much for joining me. No worries, Ben. (laughs) Lily's story caps our trilogy today in our exploration of what motivates us to behave the way that we do. Whether it's a playful lie about orange juice to cover an embarrassing situation, or if it's seizing confidence from an uncomfortable public reveal, We're stronger for what we endure. And if you're wondering, Sarah's weight gain of 5 to 10 kilos is about 11 to 22 pounds. We've got so many pictures for you on social this time out. As usual, faces are scrubbed, but it's still fun to see Derek suited up for the operating room. And you can see Lily, her partner, Sarah, and the gang at Macca's where they worked. Oh, that's Australian slang for McDonald's. Lily tells me Australians shorten everything. Go get all these pictures right now on Facebook and our new Instagram, our handle, Secret Room Pod. I want to thank Derek, Jessica, and Lily for sharing their stories with all of us. And if you like the Secret Room and you want to help out in a small way, take a moment and fill out our new summer survey. If you took one a few months ago, it's okay. Your updated opinion is welcome on this updated survey. Think of it as a legal way to vote twice. Yeah. A link to the survey is in our show notes and at Secret Room Pod. I'll throw it on social too. Support the family, people. It's so easy. And also on the Secret Room Newswire, your new Europe Street Secret Team Bureau Chief is Caitlin Bartholomew. Congrats, Caitlin. Whatever, Ben. That's a big title and everything, but show me the money. So salty. But you guys are doing great. Thanks, Ben. My team is spanning the continent. We're digging up secrets from all over Europe, so there's nowhere for them to hide. And today's classy street secret about orange juice and we, courtesy of Caitlin's intrepid team, is brought to life in a very hashtag disappointing doodle by producer Susie Lark. You can only imagine. See it? And all her social mayhem during those in-between show times at Facebook and Instagram, and Twitter. Search Secret Room Pod. All right. Should I hit stop now? Not yet. Cool. How can people shout out the show? You can leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. And Lily, your turn. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. And how can people be on the show? Send us your secret to share at secretroompodcast.com. Did I say it right? Perfect. (laughs) You got it. Okay. This is a secret room, a podcast about the stories that no one ever tells. Pod on. Pod on. Pod on. Pod on. <laughs> Stop now. All right. I 
I also felt like a, a super modern woman. Like, I'm really not ashamed to have a vibrator in my backpack. Good for you. Hold on, I um, dropped you. Aww. I know. Oh my god, catastrophe. Okay, we are back in business. Well, good for you. Mm, thank you. It was very liberating. Yeah. Never thought I'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the end of the story. Got my stuff and I left. Ooh, sorry. Can you say that again without yawning? Fine. 